today is April 30th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so grateful to be with you today as we continue to move forward on this sacred sojourn through the scriptures. And y'all, I am especially glad to be here because this is the best that I have felt in over a week. Your girl is getting better, so thank you for your prayers. We've come to the end of the month here and the start of a new week. That's right. We've been doing this for four months straight. So kudos to you if you've been here for the beginning. And if you haven't, kudos to you too for showing up today. Cheers to new beginnings and to endings. Isn't that the way life is? We are always transitioning from one chapter to another, from one season to another, starting and finishing, entering and exiting, rising and retreating until we close our eyes on this side and open them on the other. And yet, in the midst of all of these changes and transitions, there is one thing that remains constant and never changing, and that is the Word of God. So as we embark on this new week and chuck deuces to April, let's invite the opportunities for growth and renewal that lie ahead. With open hearts and curious minds, let's keep trekking, knowing that we have everything we need. We are loved and supported by the same God and divine insight that has guided generations before us. We don't have to be afraid of letting go of old ways of thinking or habits that are no longer serving us. We can explore new angles and try our hand at something completely out of our comfort zone. It's all up to us. So let's continue our journey today hand in hand because I'm a touchy-feely kind of girl. And let's celebrate the beauty of beginnings and endings and the infinite possibilities that await us in the sacred space in between. We are reading from the New American Standard Bible this week, Judges chapters 11 and 12, Jephthah, the ninth judge. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a valiant warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead had fathered Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless men gathered around Jephthah, and they went wherever he did. Now it came about, after a while, that the sons of Ammon fought against Israel. When the sons of Ammon fought against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our leader, that we may fight against the sons of Ammon. But Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and drive me from my father's house? So why have you come to me now when you are in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, For this reason we have now returned to you, that you may go with us and fight the sons of Ammon and become our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you bring me back to fight against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord gives them up to me, will I become your head? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is witness between us. Be assured we will do as you have said. 
Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and leader over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. So Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the sons of Ammon, saying, What conflict do you and I have that you have come to me to fight against my land? And the king of the sons of Ammon said to the messengers of Jephthah, It is because Israel took my land when they came up from Egypt, from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and the Jordan, so return them peaceably now. But Jephthah sent messengers once again to the king of the sons of Ammon, and they said to him, This is what Jephthah says, Israel did not take the land of Moab, nor the land of the sons of Ammon. For when they came up from Egypt, and Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they also sent messengers to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained at Kadesh. Then they went through the wilderness and around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came to the east side of the land of Moab. And they camped beyond the Arnon, but they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land to our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people and camped in Jahaz and fought with Israel. And the Lord, the God of Israel, handed Sihon and all his people over to Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. So they possessed all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok, and from the wilderness as far as the Jordan. And now the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven out the Amorites from his people Israel, so you should possess it? Did you not possess what Chemosh, your God, gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord, our God, has dispossessed before us, we will possess it. Now then, are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend with Israel, or did he ever fight against them? When Israel was living in Heshbon and its villages, and in Aroer and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? So I have not sinned against you, but you are doing me wrong by making war against me. May the Lord, the judge, judge today between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ammon. But the king of the sons of Ammon disregarded the message which Jephthah sent him. Jephthah's Tragic Vow now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed hand over to me the sons of Ammon, then whatever comes out the doors of my house to meet me when I return safely from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. He inflicted a very great defeat on them from Aroer to the entrance of Mineth 
twenty cities, and as far as Abel Karamim. So the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. But Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. And she was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son or daughter. So when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Oh, my daughter, you have brought me disaster, and you are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. So she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you have said, since the Lord has brought you vengeance on your enemies, the sons of Ammon. And she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Allow me two months, so that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity, I and my friends. Then he said, Go. So he let her go for two months, and she left with her friends, and wept on the mountains because of her virginity. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did to her what he had vowed, and she had no relations with a man. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went annually to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite for four days in the year. Jephthah and his successors. Now the men of Ephraim were summoned, and they crossed to Zaphon, and they said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the sons of Ammon without calling us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you. So Jephthah said to them, I and my people were in a major dispute with the sons of Ammon, and I did call you, but you did not save me from their hand. When I saw that you were no deliverer, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord handed them over to me. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You are survivors of Ephraim, you Gileadites, in the midst of Ephraim and in the midst of Manasseh. And the Gileadites took control of the crossing places of the Jordan opposite Ephraim. And it happened whenever any of the survivors of Ephraim said, Let me cross over, that the men of Gilead would say to him, Are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then they would say to him, Just say Shibboleth. But he said Sibboleth, for he was not prepared to pronounce it correctly. Then they seized him and slaughtered him at the crossing places of the Jordan. So at that time, 42,000 from Ephraim fell. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Now Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel after him. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he gave in marriage outside the family, and he brought in 30 daughters from outside for his sons. And he judged Israel for seven years. Then Ibzan died and was buried in Bethlehem. Now Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel after him. He judged Israel for 10 years. Then Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Aijalon in the land of Zebulun. Now Abdon, the son of Hillel the Parathonite, judged Israel after him. 
he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys, and he judged Israel for eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel the Parathonite, died and was buried at Parathon in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. So we're starting a new book here in the New Testament. And so as we do traditionally, I want to give you an overview of what we're about to go into. Now, this is the final gospel, the gospel of John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee and brother of James, according to the scholarly consensus. This is who we attribute authorship to, not to be confused with John the Baptist, although interestingly enough, John the Apostle was also a disciple of John the Baptist before he was a disciple of Jesus. While Matthew, Mark, and Luke are referred to as the Synoptic Gospels, John's is not because his biography differs greatly from the other Gospels in that he has a different focus. Now, all four Gospels are complementary and all four tell the same basic story about Jesus Christ, but there is no denying that John's Gospel is quite distinct from the other three in both tone and content. The Gospel of John opens with a magnificent prologue, which many of us are probably familiar with. And you may also find this interesting. I selected this week's translation based on one scripture, the opening scripture in John. I looked at several different translations and the other translations that rephrased this verse just didn't do it for me. So I went with the New American Standard Version, which is faithful and reliable. It's faithful to the original languages, but it also has a smooth, eloquent, elegant style. I think this version will make us fall in love with John's Gospel all over again. The Gospel of John also covers a longer time frame than the other Gospels, about three years of Jesus' ministry. It shows more of Jesus' one-on-one interactions and his chats with his disciples. It also exposes more of Jesus' divine nature and his intimacy with the Father. John's goal was to prove the deity of Christ, that Jesus was the pre-existent and incarnate Word of God. He doesn't start with the birth or genealogy. He doesn't include Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, his transfiguration, his parables, his ascension, or even the Great Commission. And yet, his gospel shows us that Jesus is not only the Messiah, but also the Word of God, the light of the world, the bread of life, the Good Shepherd, the resurrection and the life, and many other titles that tell us who he is and what he came to do. There is plenty of personification, and for all you writers who are listening, you'll appreciate this. John uses other literary devices too, illusion, irony, symbolism, paradox, and metaphor, which make this book a rich, complex, and delightful read. The text is packed with long discourses, primarily from the mouth of Jesus, and probably has the most recognized and memorized verse in the New Testament, maybe in the whole Bible, and that is the gospel in a nutshell, John 3.16. So as we read through this gospel together, let's really settle in and lean into the signs and wonders that Jesus performs and the guarantees that he gives to us who trust in him and follow him. This is, after all, 
the last time we'll examine the life and ministry of Jesus in this close-up and intimate way that we've done here in the Gospels. Let's soak up every word and every story that John has to share with us and not take for granted the joy and privilege it is to have access to such a treasure. And with that, let's begin John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 28. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. The Witness, John the Baptist A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that, coming into the world, enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God." The Word made flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and called out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who is coming after me has proved to be my superior, because He existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. The Testimony of John the Baptist This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites to him from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny. And this is what he confessed. I am not the Christ. And so they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Tell us, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness. Make the way of the Lord straight, as Isaiah the prophet said. And the messengers had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, 
I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, of whom I am not worthy even to untie the strap of his sandal. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing people. Psalm 101, the psalmist's profession of uprightness, a psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praises. I will carefully attend to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house and the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall leave me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. I will not endure one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. One who walks in a blameless way is one who will serve me. One who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. One who speaks lies shall not maintain his position before me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land so as to eliminate from the city of the Lord all those who do injustice. Proverbs chapter 14 verses 13 and 14. Even in laughter the heart may be in pain and the end of joy may be grief. One with a wayward heart will have his feel of his own ways, but a good person will be satisfied with his. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today filled with gratitude for your everlasting word that nourishes our souls and keeps us in line. Lord, we thank you for this brand new month, for the beginnings and endings we've experienced Lord, we thank you for the ones that brought us pleasure, and we thank you for the ones that we didn't see coming, the ones that may have stung. Lord, we trust that every closed door is an opportunity to reimagine what the next stage of life has for us. And Lord, as we conclude this month of April and embark on a new week of this incredible year, Lord, we seek the filling of your spirit to keep us moving forward, knowing that with you by our side, we can accomplish anything. Lord, we humbly ask that you would continue to sustain us, provide us with your strength, the knowledge, and the know-how to navigate the path ahead. Jesus, we are so grateful to be anchored in your word, tethered to the unshakable truth that you've provided for us. Please continue to refuel our supply of faith and confidence so we may stand strong in our convictions and have the resolve to keep going when things get rough. Forgive us for our sins, God, and help us to extend grace and forgiveness to those around us. Lord, we want all of you and all of what you have for us. Please remove anything from our lives that is not like you. If it ain't from you, we don't want it. And if it is, we don't want to miss it. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to feel, a mind to know, and a will to do. Lord, we are just so thankful for the abundance and overflow in our lives. And we ask that you continue to pour out your love, your mercy, and your grace upon us. Lord, we ask for your guidance and protection as we step into this 
upcoming week. Lord, we know that you are with us always and we are forever grateful for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And our affirmation for today, I regulate my work with rest, play, and service. God created me to live a life of vitality, creativity, and meaning, not a life of stress, burnout, and overwhelm. I regulate my work with rest, play, and service. God created me to live a life of vitality, creativity, and meaning, not a life of stress, burnout, and overwhelm. And our aphorism, a hard intellect is a hammer that can do nothing but crush. Hardness of intellect is sometimes no less harmful and hateful than hardness of heart. That is all I have for you today. Thank you for being on this extraordinary journey with me. May the infinite love of the Father embrace you, the enduring strength of the Son sustain you, and the boundless wisdom of the Spirit enlighten you. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.